You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Outdoor Edge. Now, Outdoor Edge is a knife company. We all know that. They offer a complete line of fixed blade knives, replaceable blade knives, and game processing kits, right? So any blade you need to break down an animal, these guys have it. Now, the cool thing about their replaceable blades is let's say you are in the middle of breaking down an animal and the blade goes dull. The only thing you have to do is push a button. The blade pops out, you put a new blade in, it locks in tight, and you're back to breaking down that animal. You get it cooled down, you get it back to the truck faster, and you get more meat in the long run. So if you want to find out more information about all the blades, fixed, replaceable, and game processing kits that Outdoor Edge makes, visit their website outdooredge.com and if you want to save 30% on your purchase enter the discount code nation30 that's n-a-t-i-o-n 30 and that's outdooredge.com all right y'all here's the deal go wild has partnered with us here at southern ground hunting to make life a whole lot easier for you guys so i get a lot of questions um on social media Uh, on YouTube and things like that about the gear that I use. We are extremely excited to announce that we're going to be working with Go Wild to make it easy for you to see a complete list of the gear that we use here at Southern Ground Hunting. So all you have to do is you have to go download Go Wild. It's a free social media app um, and it's a community for hunters where I have put together a list of all of the gear that I use. All you have to do is look up Parker McDonald once you create your account go wild is also just a fun place to hang out and chat with other hunters other outdoorsmen you can find tips and you can actually buy all of this gear through go wild and actually you can get a a 10 percent discount if you use the code all lowercase all one word southern ground when you purchase there at go wild so join me hundreds of thousands of other hunters on go wild the download link is in the show notes and you can find it there again that's all lowercase, all one word, Southern Ground, and that will save you 10% off of your gear purchases on the Go Wild Hunting app. The Southern Ground Hunting Podcast is brought to you by Spartan Forge. It's forged in combat and tailored for hunters. Spartan Forge stands at the nexus of machine learning and whitetail deer hunting to deliver truly intuitive and science-based products that save the hunter time spent scouting, planning and executing their hunts you can start your free 14-day trial today by visiting spartanforge.ai and you can use the code southern ground that's all lowercase all one word southern ground at checkout 
and that'll get you 25% off of your purchase. You wanting to know more about saddle hunting? Well, check out tetherednation.com for all your saddle hunting needs. Tethered is for saddle hunters, by saddle hunters, and they're redefining ultralight hunting. If you'd like to support the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast, you can visit patreon.com forward slash southern ground hunting, or you can click on the link in the show notes of this podcast episode. We offer two different tiers for our patrons that offer a solid list of benefits. We'd love for you to join the Southern Ground Hunting community today. Again, that's patreon.com forward slash southern ground hunting. And now, let's get to the show. All right, you guys, this is going to be a pretty quick episode today. I am sitting in a room in somewhere in North Dakota, and uh, I'm about to head out. Um, pretty cool trip. Um, very, it's, it's got a really neat storyline. I'm, I'm pretty excited about, about sharing the video and everything. Um, but that's what I'm going to talk about today. I'm going to talk about this trip, and uh, it's just me by myself. I had a really cool idea with somebody who was uh, who came into town, came into camp last night. Uh, we we're going to do a, a cool episode, but we'll have to do that later. I won't spoil any surprises. We'll have to do another episode with him soon. Um, but today, I am, uh, like I said, I'm about to head home. I just got done quartering up a buck that I shot yesterday on the last day of the hunt. Um, and I shot him on public land. So I think I talked to you guys the other day, uh, on the last episode, maybe with, uh, with Mark Kenyon, possibly. Um, but uh, I came here with, with the tethered guys. They invited me to come and hunt a leased property that they had. Um, Greg called me, Greg Godfrey called me and asked me if I'd want to come and hunt. So I said, yeah, I was already planning on coming to North Dakota this year. And uh, I was just going to come hunt public land. I thought, yeah, that'd be cool. I'll share camp with a bunch of guys. That'll be fun. And uh, and we'll shoot deer. Well, that hunt uh, actually, it it wasn't it wasn't bad for a lot of guys. Um, but what we did is we set up bait piles, uh, corn piles, which I know everybody has different opinions about that. But for me, it was kind of like it was one of those like I don't really have anything to prove to anybody. And if I want to go shoot a deer over a corn pile, then I'm going to go do it. And, uh, and so we really went into this trip thinking that it was going to be relatively easy to hunt it. The problem was is that it wasn't. So we put uh, cell cameras on every spot. I came, I think I, I've talked about it, I came up here a couple weeks ago, three weeks ago or so, and uh, helped them prep trees and put the cameras out and do all that stuff. And we were getting very few deer that were actually coming out in daylight very few bucks um there was one pretty big probably the biggest buck we got on camera that was showing up in daylight but it wasn't anything like we weren't getting just a ton of stuff so we came to the trip and my confidence was pretty low going into it just because we didn't have a lot of pictures and we we had cell cameras set up on pretty much every spot we didn't have a lot of pictures and um the the so the way this property works is it's North Dakota and it's all fields and you'll have like little like maybe quarter acre clumps of trees and what's called a shelter belt, which is just a long uh, stretch of trees that's maybe 20 yards wide and maybe 200 yards long. And so there's just a long thin stretch of trees. And, uh, and so that's where you have to hunt really. Um, and these deer are living out in these cornfields. Um, the beans aren't nearly as tall here as they are in the south um 
And so a lot, some of them are bedding down in the beans, but they're, they're mostly living in cornfields and cattails. So there's these cattail marshes that are all, all over the place, really. And uh, what I learned is that a lot of these deer were just living in those cattails. Uh, one of the guys that you may know, Jared Schaefer, he's been on the podcast before. He was out here, and he tried to get a little bit mobile and do some ground hunting in a spot and saw a ton of bucks when he started doing that. Um, but other than Jared, really nobody was seeing a lot of bucks and it was kind of getting, getting frustrating for me because I like to, I like to go out and try to find them. Um, but I was also self-filming and so self-filming and trying to do the ground hunting thing with a, uh, like where you're crawling and doing all this stuff. That would have been great, but I didn't have a cameraman, and so it just wasn't really doable for me. So here we are. We get, um, I don't know, four days into the hunt, and nobody's seeing anything really. One guy in camp killed a deer, and uh, and that was it. I mean, it was pretty, it was pretty uneventful, um, and I just got to looking at things and thinking about things and talking to a guy named Jared Robrand, who... Uh, um, is from Minnesota and, uh, he, he, he was kind of feeling the same way. Like let's, we need to go out and find deer. So me and him started going out and looking around where we were camping at for public land, put in a couple sits on public land, saw deer on public land, uh, out that way towards where we were at, but nothing, you know, nothing crazy. It wasn't anything, you know, we didn't see any bucks. I had yet to see a rack, uh, an antler deer in North Dakota. And so we, I'm trying to get all my, all my storyline right. Uh, I had just a couple days left and I was like, you know what? I'm going to go and try to find a way to rent a car. Jared had to leave. Jared Robrand had to leave and I was bumming a ride with him. So shout out to Jared. Thanks a lot for that, buddy. Uh, and uh, so I, I, I had to figure out a way to get to some more public land. And so I ended up bumming a ride with somebody to Grand Forks, North Dakota. So if you know anything about North Dakota, there's not a lot of people in North Dakota. And there's not a lot of places that you can rent a car in North Dakota. So there was a lot of logistics involved. I had to find a way to rent a car from a bigger uh, car rental place so that I could return the car in Minneapolis where I fly out where I fly out of. And so there there was just a lot of logistics that I had to to work out. Long story short, uh, one of the tethered, the guys that works at tethered, you may know him if you've, uh, if you've dealt with tethered through email or anything, his name's Cam. He's a shop manager there. He had to leave and he was going straight through Grand Forks. And so it just, so it just worked out well for me that I could bum a ride with him, found an enterprise, rent a car and rented a car. Um, but not just any car, it's a Chevrolet Spark. Um, this little Chevrolet Spark is, is a, it's like a Tic Tac box. It's little bitty, like compact little car with hardly any space. Um, I had, just to give you an example, I had a quarter of a tank left and I went and filled it up yesterday morning and it was $14, I think. So it, it, uh, it's a little bitty thing. So I had to figure out a lot of ways to try to even get a deer out of the woods if I shot one but I had a car I was on my own 
I could hunt the way that, you know, I know how to hunt. I went up to a brand new area that I hadn't been to that was public land. And obviously, so what, what ends up happening for me anyways, is I like to, I like to kill deer. I like to, um, you know, especially the first year of the year, it's like you have a lot of pressure and you want to, you want to make the most. And I've got a lot of money put into this trip and, you know, I didn't want to go home empty handed. Some people are okay with that. I'm not. I, I like to try to make things happen. And coming out to public land, I was, I was very, you know, I was very excited to come and hunt public land because a couple things, I could hunt the way that I wanted to hunt and really run and gun and do that thing. But I could also, since I didn't have a lot of days left, my standard was going to just go down for the type of buck that I'd be willing to kill. And it was pretty much at that point, it's pretty much any buck. Uh, that was, that was kind of my standard. And, um, but you kind of feel a weird way about shooting a, you know, on the last day shooting a small deer on a piece of managed private land versus going out to public and doing it there. And so, um, I had two days left to hunt and I decided to go to public and took this little Chevrolet spark and started trying to hunt it. And, um, so I hunted the first day, didn't see any deer, but I found a lot of good sign and I figured out that a lot of these deer are already on the acorns. The acorns are falling from the white oaks. Um, the first day that I hunted it though, I was on this big, huge chunk of land that was all white oaks. And so it was hard to pinpoint where the deer were actually hitting without having a whole lot of, without having any history in the area. And so, um, but I went ahead and hunted it. I found a really nice, uh, spot where three different trails came together. If you think, imagine like a peace sign, um, like a hippie peace sign. And there was three different trails coming together off of one of the trails was coming off of a bench off a steep ridge that I was actually on my way to go look at. And then, so there was a trail coming off of that bench, a trail coming off the side hill, um, and then a trail on the top of the ridge. And it made basically a peace sign. So I set up right there, didn't see any deer, but it gave me a lot of information, you know, of where I'm actually hunting the public land. There's, you have some public land that's got like river bottom swamps. You got some that's like, uh, you know, cattail marsh. You got some that's more terrain. Um, think of like elk country, which it is. There's there's quite a few elk out here. Uh, and then you have some that's more of like open brush. I don't know any other way to, to describe it. It's like short little shrubs. And there's a ton of deer that live in those areas. But it's kind of river bottom land too. So there's a lot of things. It offers a lot of things out here, really, which is uh, which is pretty cool. You can kind of go to your whatever style of hunting you're comfortable with you can probably find something within a 30 minute ride right here that fits your style and so um i didn't see any deer that first day out here which was fine i wasn't super concerned so yesterday morning i just decided you know what i'm gonna get about an hour extra sleep i'm pretty wore out from trying to figure out how i was going to get here and to be able to make the most of my time here, I need to get my grip on the area. Cause at that point I hadn't even driven around. I didn't even know what stuff looked like. Had a lot of waypoints marked, but I did not have any clue what stuff looked like. And so if you, if you remember back to where I was talking with Mark Kenyon 
uh, on last week's episode, and we talked about on his trip, I can't remember where he was at last year, but they made a move, a very similar move, and went to somewhere completely different and didn't have any real knowledge about the place, but they had one day left to hunt, and they spent the day before that scouting and doing observation and figuring, trying to get a grip on the area. I listen to a lot of guys who do this a lot, who do this style of hunting a lot, and they travel a lot, and they go to new places a lot. And one thing that always is consistent to me about these guys is no matter how long they have to be there, if they want to make the most of their time, they're going to at least they're going to at least give a cup a little bit of time to scouting, like a, a half a day or a full day to scouting. That is the the worst thing you could possibly do. And I know it's so hard because you feel like it really does feel like the way that you're going to make the most of your time is going into the woods and hunting. If you're not hunting, then you're not going to kill a deer. And that's, I know our minds work that way a lot, but for me and a lot of other guys who do this a lot, I've just kind of learned that the most valuable thing I can do is get my grip on an area. Because if I don't ever do that, then everything is blind. Everything is blind. And you have just a very short window of time to actually go in and scout, which would be between the morning and evening hunt pretty much, which is just not enough time to... To figure something out. So I did that yesterday morning. I drove around from area to area. I put a lot of miles on the little Chevrolet Spark yesterday and found some deer and found some areas, talked to locals, um, talked to my buddy Jacob, who was uh, just so awesome to help me last night with this buck. But um, my buddy Jacob from Land Unlimited, and uh, he's camping right now uh, with uh, a very familiar name that you guys, pro- a lot of you probably know, Cody DeQuisto is here, and so um, they're kind of hunting the same area, hooked up with them, he's been here and scouting this area for the last, Jacob's been here for crap, probably um, two, a week maybe, a week or so, and he's got till the 18th, and so he's, he's spending a lot of time scouting and, and figuring out information. So he was kind enough to, to share some information with me about the area. So as we're sitting there talking, this guy comes up. Um, and, and, and I guess long story short, I did figure out, um, I did figure out some stuff about uh, the area just by driving around. I, I'd spent until from 5.30 yesterday morning till 11.00 driving around from piece to piece, figuring stuff out. And uh, and it helped a ton. I was able to figure out access. I was able to figure out what type of terrain and what type of woods were in an area. Um, like I said, I'm trying to key in on oaks. And so the thing that I was trying to find was a, a big area that, that maybe had some marshes and cattails, uh, maybe some beans, but and not a lot of oaks, but I was trying to find somewhere that just had a few oaks. And if I could find that, then you could, you know, potentially find one of the main feeding areas that these deer are going to be in. So I uh, did that, ended up hooking up with Jacob, and a local guy came driving down the road. 
And let me tell you something. I don't, I maybe have said it before, I don't know where the phrase Southern hospitality came from because these Midwestern and Northern people are some of the nicest people I've ever met in my entire life. They are, everybody is so nice. I got pulled over the other day driving through town and the cop was just like going a little, he, he said, uh, he said, you're going a little fast there through town. I was like, yeah, I'm trying to find food and I don't know where I'm at. I was looking at my map and trying to figure out where I'm going. He was like, oh, well, you know, you could go up there to the store. He said, I'll tell you what, give me your license. I'll, uh, I'll drive you right up there to the store and, uh, and show you where it's at. They should be open till 10. And so like, that is like the perfect, it's everything about these people. Like everybody stops, everybody asks you what you're hunting. They ask you if you're having any luck. They share information. Everybody's just the, so stinking nice up here. And uh, and so anyway, this local guy comes driving up while we're sitting there talking. He said, you guys you guys having any luck? Like, uh, well, you know, we've seen a few deer. I'm just trying to figure things out, you know, real quick and just, and just be able to arrow something before I go home in the, in the next couple of days. And he was like, oh, well. Let me tell you about a spot. And so he tells me about this area and tells me the history of this area in that um, it is public land, but there is a controversy between some landowners and the state on whether or not it is public land. The state says absolutely it is public land. Um, these landowners tore the signs down or something like that. They, like, they, tore, the, they tore the public land access signs down and the state put them back up like it's just a big huge kind of debacle and he said a lot of people are staying out of it because there's just not that um, they don't know and so one thing that I realize is that some people's maps I realized this yesterday some people's maps that I know say that it is public mine does mine says it is public land and some people's maps say that it is not public which is uh Interesting, but it is. So I went in there yesterday afternoon, um, and I just wanted to scout it. You know, he told me a little bit about the area. He was nice enough to share a little bit about the area and why he thinks I should hunt it. And um, and so I just wanted to walk it. You know, it's it's basically a big, huge open hayfield, um, but on the edges of that hayfield, it's steep ridges and woods and uh like drainage ditches coming up into that hayfield so i walked it and i got maybe 200 yards off of the off of the the road in this drainage um the head of this drainage and it kind of juts out into the field and i was just kind of walking down it i was following an elk trail and elk tracks and uh some pretty big buck tracks on that on that trail and I got maybe maybe two or three hundred yards away from the car, and I bump a stud of a buck out of the bed, like a big huge deer, and uh, he he just did kind of more of a of a he didn't like bust out of there and blow and he 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 was just exiting he was just trying to get out of there he knew you know basically the way to get out and he was just kind of trotted off, and so. I sat there for about 30 minutes trying to wait to see if he would come back um, and check it out, and he never did. 
backed out of there, went and met up with Jacob and tried to form a game plan for the night. So the wind was coming straight out of the north and I was walking north to south. But in these ditches out here, the thing that I noticed is the wind just really swirls real bad, which is why the, the deer was bedded there in the first place. Um, and it was really kind of a bulletproof setup for him. He, he, he ran south down a tree line and uh, right on the edge of this field. And that's the way that he went. And so we started looking at the map and we were like, okay, if, if he was bedded there for this wind, then maybe he'll go hit another bed before he, um, before he gets up to feed this evening. And so we kind of made a game plan that I was going to walk way, I was going to make a big, huge circle around in the hayfield and basically go probably half a mile out of the way um, just to make sure that he didn't wind me. And I was going to circle around this block of woods and then come up from the south so the wind would be in my face. And um, so I did that yesterday evening. Um, and the, the, the bad thing about it was uh, as soon as my foot, so it was all hay, hayfield walking, as soon as my foot hit the, the wood line and I crunched on a leaf, that buck stood up and ran this time. He was bedded right on the edge of the southern wood line where I accessed at. So he did what, what we thought he would do, but he was just, it was just, I'd, I got too close, bumped him back, and he ran basically north towards where I bumped him the first time. I knew at that point that buck probably wasn't going to be a uh, possibility for me. It was the, it was basically the last day I have to leave this morning. So I would have been able to hunt this morning, but that was pretty much it. And I knew that I was probably done with that buck. He had been bumped at that point, bumped two different times. And uh, in the same day, and it was probably going to be really tough to kill him. So I just walked a trail on that tree line and found all of his rubs. He was in, he was hard horned, found all of his rubs and ended up right back to where I bumped him at the first time. And right out of my view from where I went earlier in the day where I originally bumped him, right out of my view, um, I couldn't tell, but there was a bunch of trails merging together and his rubs were there. There was a bunch of rubs, lots of buck tracks. You could tell basically that he wasn't the only buck in the area, and it was right where that big drainage came up out of the bottom and went into the field. And uh, and that's why I originally wanted to hunt it. I love hunting those drainages like that, and you guys probably hear me talk about it a lot, but I feel like those, those ditches like that are basically like exits off of an interstate, and and the trails, obviously, and the sign in there... Uh, told me the exact same thing that that's exactly what it was those deer were using it as a as an exit basically off of the the interstate to get up to their food and so I was like you know what I'm setting up right here the wind's in my face I'm good I've pretty much probably blown out every deer that was south of me but I am basically just going to hunt this drainage just going to hunt this ditch and hope that it works out and any buck I see is going to die is at least going to get shot at. And uh, so I was not, I, at that point of the trip, is the last day that I was, last evening I was going to get to hunt. It was, it was pretty much anything for me. And um, just a storyline. So 
you guys know this about me. I love a good story. A good story is everything about a hunt to me. If I were to go and just kill a deer on a corn pile on the first day, like that's fun. Deer hunting's fun no matter what form or fashion you do it in. It's still fun. It's still more fun than almost everything else in the world. Um, but I am a sucker for a good storyline. And like to me, the story of it way it outweighs the size of a deer tremendously. You can have big deer with a boring story and it's not anything, but you can have a small deer with a great story and it's like it's awesome. And so I'm a sucker for that. And with everything that happened on this trip and just trying to trying to make something happen and going out and renting a car and it being this little tiny shoebox car and the idea of a picture of a deer on top of this car was just so much fun to me. And I was like, and, and and I know a lot of guys are probably this way. A lot of you listen to this probably this way. Some of you may not be. Uh, I really like to get the first monkey off my back. And um, until I do that, I just think about deer and, and it makes things tough at home. <laughs> just because you know how it is. You guys know how it is. You think about it. 100% of the time. But then once you once you're able to kill one, it kind of relieves that for a little bit, at least a little bit. Um and so I knew that I needed to do that for my family and maybe y'all aren't this way like I am, but I had to do that for my family and uh my wife's the best and she gives me the opportunity to go and do these kind of things. And I don't want to come back in a sour mood because I didn't kill something and whatever. So um, but what it comes down to is just the storyline was really good. So let's back up, go to setting up in this spot. So I set up with the intention that any buck is going to die just because the storyline is good and I'm almost done. Get set up. And I'm telling you guys, within 30 minutes of being in that tree, I see, I hear footsteps and I look over to my left and there's a deer walking right in front of me and I raised up my bow got the camera on him did everything that I needed to do um he came right I mean 20 yards broadside right down the trail and at that point I really wasn't paying attention I I knew he had antlers I, I didn't see what they even looked like I knew he wasn't huge but I didn't know what he really even looked like at that point I was just I went into immediate kill mode and I was, I was ready to go. So I pick up my bow and I realized that I have not taken my GoPro off of the bow. And uh, I always walk, walk in with my GoPro on the bow in case I get a shot opportunity at a deer. Um, I want to try to get it on film. I realized that I had not taken my GoPro off of the bow. And so my bow was basically, it was really heavy. It was a lot heavier on the right side of it, which is where that GoPro hangs off of, um, because of the little clamp that I have on there, which wasn't a big deal. I mean, I should have, it should have been fine. Um, I draw back, deer comes in, into the opening and I shoot. And I think that I just crushed him. I mean, I've watched the video over and over and over again, and it looks like I just smashed him. Well, he runs about 10 feet and just stops 
and looking around, and I'm like, okay, he's about to die. I thought I heart shot him. Um, it was a little bit low, and so I thought I just heart shot him. Well, he just stands there, and he's looking around. He's like, I don't know what happened. This is the good thing about shooting small deer is they're, they're dumb most of the time. And uh, he looks around, and I'm like, okay, fall over dead. And I'm trying to figure out a way. He was behind some trees. I'm trying to figure out a way to just put a follow-up shot in him um, because I've learned that follow-up shots, if you get the opportunity to put a follow-up shot, then you do it, especially with a bow. And so he just starts eating the leaves off of a off of a little – he starts browsing again, basically. I was like, what the heck? Um, so I'm, like, trying to figure out what's – What's going on? Like, seeing if I can see blood. I thought for sure I could see blood on the impact. I thought I saw blood um, coming out of him. And I'm just, like, putting my binos on him, trying to figure out. Well, then he starts kind of getting a little bit nervous. And he walks back the direction that he came from. And he was hard quartered, quartered away. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to shoot him. I'm going to try to figure out where I can get, a, get an arrow and I'm not really concerned about where the arrow hits, but he just needs a follow-up shot. So I shoot him again, and it's hard-quartered away, and it enters really far back, and he runs off. I hear it pop. I knew it was a gut shot. I heard it pop, and he turned, and as he was running, I could see, basically, I could see stuff hanging out of him, which was great for a one-and-three-quarter-inch cut, I think, or one-and-a-quarter-inch cut or something like that on the... The VPA single bevels, like it left a hole big enough that stuff was hanging out of him. And I could, I knew I hit him. So he ran hard for about 15 yards and then I just didn't hear anything. I was like, well, crap, maybe he went down into that ditch and I'm going to have to drag him up out of that, out of that bottom. I know it's a gut shot, but I thought the first shot really just crushed him. At this point, I just don't really know what the situation is. Well, then I hear, I mean, Right where I heard the footsteps stop, I hear crashing. It's like, well, I guess he went down. I guess my first shot was good. Well, uh, fast forward, I sit in the tree for about an hour and a half because if my first shot, I was just trying to play it safe. If my first shot wasn't good and my second shot was the only arrow he had in him, then it was that's it's a fatal shot. It's going to kill him, but I needed to give him time. And uh, if he if he bedded down anywhere close, I just didn't want to be, I didn't want to push him, just give him a little bit of time to to expire. So I wait about an hour and a half. It's about forty five minutes at this point till dark. I wait about an hour and a half, and I get down and go look at my first arrow, and it was apparently a clean miss. I don't know how. I don't know how it could look so much on video like I like I hit him, but I must have just hit right under him and. I really don't know. I don't know what happened on that shot. And um, the only thing I can think is if you add any amount of weight like that, like the GoPro, it can mess with your mess with your shot a little bit, but it shouldn't do that much. Um, I don't know. You guys tell me. Send me a message. Comment on, on the post about this podcast or whatever. You tell me what you think. But I, I guess it was just a clean miss, and my only shot, my only – arrow that was in him at that point I knew was the second shot which I knew was a gut shot so I'm just sitting there I'm talking to the camera talking to my GoPro and you know trying to analyze the situation and uh, I hear moving again I hear the leaves ruffling again and it's not very far away 
I'm like, man, he's he is right there, and he's gut shot, and I don't want to push him, but it sounds like he's struggling. It, it really sounded like a deer was struggling, and so I just kind of crept up to where I thought I heard it at, and I could end. I ended up seeing him there. Um, he was still alive. It was an hour and a half after the shot, which I absolutely hate. Um, so I was able to creep up and put another shot right in his vitals, and uh, and he expired really quick after that. And uh, that's the story of my North Dakota 2021 trip. Um, what I thought was going to be an all-private land hunt over corn piles turned into a run-and-gun public land deer hunt, which is what I love. Love the storyline. I was able to put the deer on, strap the deer on top of the car, and uh, it was just so much fun, man. It was just an interesting hunt. Y'all are used to me talking about kayaks. Well, this time, instead of kayak, I had Chevrolet Spark. Um got some drone shots of it this morning good thing about out here is that it's super cold at night compared to back home i mean it gets down in the 40s or so at night here so i was able to let him let him sit there and deal with him this morning i got him quartered up and um ready to go he's uh, i gotta go buy an ice chest after this and get him on ice and uh and we'll be we'll be ready to go so yeah that's the story of the North Dakota 2021 hunt. I am excited about it. I'm going to have a great video for you guys. And it's just so cool whenever you can have a cool storyline like this. I always I always encourage you guys and, and everybody I talk to, you know, is um, don't care so much about a big deer. Obviously, big deer are great, and I'm always trying to hunt bigger deer and mature bucks but sometimes the story is just so good and so you have to analyze that I do at least I have to analyze that while I'm hunting and does the experience outweigh um, the, the size of the antlers and almost always for me yes it is um, so I'm, I'm just really excited about the way that it turned out we're coming home from North Dakota with a tag punched and I could not be more excited about it so um, yeah, that's going to be about it. I think we're, this is, this is a very short episode, but I wanted you guys to, uh, I wanted to be able to share the story a little bit. And, um, you know, last week with Mark Kenyon, we talked about the opportunities of hunting public land really all over, um, the, the country. There's opportunities to go out and do that for relatively, uh, cheap price. And there's places that have a lot of deer and, and great opportunity. And it's just so much fun when it all works out. I'm excited. I, uh, I think you guys are going to love the video of this hunt because it was just a, it was just a cool story. So, um, yeah, that's going to be about it. I got to hit the road. I got to get out of here. I extended my time in this room for uh, an hour so that I could record this podcast. But I got to get on the road and, uh, and get back home. So thank you guys so much for listening, and uh, we'll be back again next week. Thank you all so much for listening to this week's episode of the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. As always, a big shout out to all of our partners. That's Go Wild, Spartan Forge, Tethered, New Canoe, and Scree Gear. You can keep up with Southern Ground Hunting by following us on Facebook and Instagram, or you can subscribe to us on the YouTube channel. Make sure you check out southerngroundhunting.com to pick up some of our merch, hats, t-shirts, stickers, stuff like that. I truly hope you enjoyed this week's episode and we'll see you here again next week. 
Remember this, God gave you dominion over the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and the beasts of the earth. So go out and exercise that dominion. We'll talk to you next time.